The following is a member of the Growler Media Podcast Network. Find out more at growlermedia.com. Comey Snake. Welcome to Escape from New York Minute, where we celebrate and analyze the dystopian classic one minute at a time. I'm Molly Balin. And I'm Eric Deutsch. And we welcome back Ryan Clary of Minute of Darkness podcast. Swear to God, guys, I thought you were dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's getting a little hairy here for Snake, actually. Uh, minute 89 begins with a Jeep rolling up at the wall and Remy giving orders to stand by. Uh, there's some fishing for a douchey president, and the minute ends with some inconsistent <laughs> shooting by the Duke. <laughs> Not just a, 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 he's a clueless president. He's just kind of standing there. You know, like, we, we cut to him, and he's just sort of like, they're like, uh, I don't know what to do. Um, I guess I'll just stand here. Yeah, I'll just kind of wait, I guess. Yeah, he I doesn't, mean, like, really... signal to the guards. He doesn't try to climb up. He just kind of is like... Uh, yeah, no, like, help me. No, like, I'm here. Yeah, Nothing. I mean, I, I don't know. I have to imagine. I don't know. I like I would like to imagine that it's all kind of part of uh, Carpenter's, uh, uh, you know, cultivating this kind of like this He's telling the story of an incompetent government uh, that can't really do anything without assistance. You know, he's got to wait for Snake and um you know, it's just like just kind of dopey. They really don't have their act together, and like they all kind of rely on him. Uh, that's that's ultimately going to uh, save the day at the end, even though he may not want to. Yeah, it absolutely it fits. It fits right in with how Carpenter wrote and directed this character. That is just a completely ineffective schmuck. I always thought that with this scene with them setting up, you know, with the Jeep driving up next to the wall and you know taking care of the winch, like I always thought they were going to try and like scale the wall with the the jeep and they're not but like that always is my impression that they're you know going and bring out all this ha- like heavy cabling for that reason so i always thought it was an interesting way of getting them out i guess like there you isn't that, another that the jeep would drive 90 degrees up the wall yeah wow yeah that they were somehow See? like you know gonna try and like pull it up over the wall and like get them on the other side i mean that would have been cool it's like I, we kind of talked about it in the last minute about like the tech that they use in this movie. It's like several decades behind even the 80s. That that Jeep, like my grandfather might have driven that in World War II. That is like <laughs> some old, old tech. And yet you're in this kind of like futuristic uh uh, world, even though it's very you know dystopic or whatever, <laughs> you kind of expect a little bit more. Uh, but at the end of the day, they just use a winch and a rope <laughs> and a jeep. <laughs> but um, you know, there's one thing that stands out here to me in this minute. That's not the tech, and it's not the dopey uh, president, and it's not uh, you know like uh, uh, anything else. It's it's uh, snakes combat yoga pants. <laughs> There, there's, there's like so tight, much tactical, such invisible, like the whole movie, he's got these super tight yoga pants on. And like, I guess I didn't realize it until a couple of years ago when yoga pants became a thing, but he's basically wearing yoga pants, action pants 
as uh, as they were. Uh, and uh, but yeah, uh, they. I, it's all I can see is his glorious ass and legs and all, <laughs> all the toned muscles of his legs. I mean, his his upper body is really not that impressive. Not impressive, you know. He's he's not like Sly in Rambo two, like looking like shredded lettuce. Uh, he's just kind of like eh, I might have worked out for this, or I did three thousand squats a day. <laughs> <laughs> for four months uh but uh yeah anyway uh work with what you got but <laughs> well the, the, really... fun, the funny thing is that the costume designer actually he, he actually put a lot of thought into those pants he he thought about what would 1997 camel fatigues look like and then and made them as if they would allow him to blend into the the city into the prison into the atmosphere that the city had turned into and that's what he came up with do you think he had he made a call to Kurt Russell? He's like, "Look, this is the idea I have for the pants. Uh, I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to do it, but I need to be bouncing quarters off of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so make it happen. We need something with a good lift back there. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we've made some jokes about the, or at least I've made jokes about the pants and them looking like Zubas from back in the day. And Ryan, did you ever wear Zubas? Back in the 90s. Okay. Like, all right, look, I'm from Buffalo originally. <laughs> uh, so I am a Buffalo Bills fan. And um, if you're not aware what that means, like, I've just, like, I suffered greatly as a Bills fan my whole life. But we, the Bills fans, Bills Mafia, hashtag much love, uh, d- gravitated toward the Zubas pants in the 90s. So, like, you will see Zuba's pants, Bills fans wearing Zuba's pants at any, any Bills gathering. There's going to be at least five people with them on. So to answer your question, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it was for a purpose, though. It was, it was for, it was for, it's it's for a community. Purposeful. Yeah, it's a community cause. So I get that. It wasn't, you know, to like go run to get like a a fifth from the store and you just wanted comfort, you know, and utility. It's a statement (laughs) and we're all gluttons for punishment as Bill's fans. So we, (laughs) we, we invite the pain and that's why we all wear uh, appropriately Mm -hmm. colored Zubas. Nice. Nice. As, as you're talking, I Googled Bill Zubas and uh, you can still buy them. And, And I clicked on images just to see what they look like. And you can really go nuts. If you want, you could get, a sweatshirt in the pattern for the bills. Oh, you could dude. get uh, a, an ice bucket in the pattern for the bills. So you, you could just be f- complete bills. Zubified. Yeah. You go like, like full Zuba. <laughs> you hang out with bills fans. Wow. Sure. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Okay. God- there is a, there is a Twitter account that actually the name is bills. Zuba's guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you, look, you it doesn't even need you don't even need to like football. If you're looking for a good time, you just hit the web and start googling Bills Mafia, Zuba's guy, Pancho Bila. I mean, like you got some people that are desperate for <laughs> wow. some love. Uh, oh yeah, here's a picture of a Bills fan jumping on a table on fire and lighting th- getting lit on fire. No, that's our thing. We like we jump through <laughs> tables. <laughs> We, we literally will ju- like that's like a thing jumping through a table. I've done it. Friends have done it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
Uh, so uh, shifting back to uh, the snake and Prez here, uh, after we get the uh, the magic rope, uh, it looks like Snake is is running with the president and kind of helps him up on this pile of rubble and tires and rebar and shit. Um, so that kind of led me to kind of wonder, because that's obviously like a bunch of stuff to help you get up. <laughs> I mean, they're using it that way, but it's it's helpful to get up closer to the wall. Obviously, there's quite a bit of feet to go, but it made me kind of wonder, like, is is this a pile of stuff that the prisoners have piled up for that expressed wish to get up over the wall? Is Was something destroyed at one point? And this is just because this looks like this came from like a foundation, you know, because of all the rebar sticking out of it. So it just made me kind of wonder, like, where did all this crap come from? Because it's convenient in this moment. I, I kind of imagine it was part of the original wall. Um, and, and it's like, it's it's a solid point. And, and looking at it now, it's like, I, you wouldn't think anyone would carry it all that way. But like, I guess if I if I had to make a guess, it's like that wall that you see is not their first go at it. They probably made improvements mm-hmm. to it, uh, tore it down, put up a new wall. Don't know how they got funding for that one. <laughs> but uh, But yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because a lot of, I mean, some of these slabs of concrete would weigh hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pounds. And unless you, you know, you'd have a, have to have a bunch of prisoners carrying it over. Like, it makes sense for it to be there, that the prisoners brought it there as a way of getting out. But I don't think, I don't see the feasibility of it being the prisoners bringing all that stuff over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Duke is running after them on the bridge, and he conveniently doesn't seem to have any problem uh stepping on any mines or anything um so you know the mind <laughs> you know we, we heard about the mines so much we got to see them in action then but now right when they would really help out they don't do anything at all he didn't need a map he just made a run for it and he did okay uh and uh isaac hayes had an interesting quote about the filming at night on this bridge because of course where there's a bridge usually there is water and this movie was uh, filmed partially in the summer, and usually when there's, there's summer and there's water and it's night, you have bugs. And he said that there were gigantic mosquitoes during the filming of all this night stuff on the bridge that were driving everybody crazy. Wow. Mm. Now, when he when the Duke opens up with his little Mac-10 there, well, Snake's Mac-10, and the... Uh, the impact, uh, I guess the uh, explosion impact devices up against the wall, when they go off, first off, whoever the actor is, and it could very well have been um, Kurt, his head is super close to that stuff. Like, I don't know if that would necessarily fly today, but like, not not that there were actual live rounds there, but like, even the explosion could like get lodged in your eye. A granny's wearing an eye patch, probably just close his <laughs> eye. <laughs> but like... I mean, one thing that sticks out to me in this scene is that I'm not entirely sure that's a stunt double. And I don't know if Kurt uh, did most of his stunts or if he even had a stunt double here. I mean, he has a stunt double on the movie. We have no idea which scenes he was used for and which ones Hmm. Kurt did himself. Um, I I bet that the very last second of this shot that melds into uh, tomorrow's minute of him doing the big Superman off the off the uh, giant platform. There's no way that was Kurt, I'm assuming. Sure. Well, I mean, I would ass- I would assume so as well. Yeah, I think it's really difficult to tell because the way this is edited, you have a close-up 
And he's looking at his watch and he's only got like a minute and 30 some seconds left. And that's a close up. But when it actually shifts to uh, the Duke shooting at him, he's got his face kind of turned away. So it's very possible this is a stunt double, you know, when he like ducks from all of that work there. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it, I guess it accomplished the goal. We're just not sure. It looks a lot mm-hmm. like Kurt Russell. So. Oh, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's such an interesting, because we're going to see in the minute, because the Duke is going to do a better job shooting soon, some other people, but it's so interesting. And I don't know if it's just like he's running and that's why this is such like a shit show that, you know, he can't, I mean, he's got an automatic weapon and he's like shooting a solid, like two or three feet above snake here. Yeah. Well, I, you know what? I mean, Maggie didn't hit him. I mean, think just, uh, you know, people in prison don't have access to guns. You know, yeah, he brought the gu- snake, brought the guns in and people were like, whoa, you know, he's got guns. You know, everyone's just out of practice. Oh, that's really sweet. <laughs> if he just would have had a little time. <laughs> now, he OK, I like that. But he but the Duke did, though, because he was uh, given target practice uh, with the uh, the president. um minutes and minutes ago and he was like doing like single shot like he hit his briefcase and like he was uh, he was getting a little bit of practice in there he was but he was missing the president on purpose so he was not aiming to hit so he mm. wasn't doing the proper kind of target practice. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh dick warlock is uh the uh stunt coordinator for this movie actually and and he was kurt russell's stunt double actually for a very long time and a lot of stuff Kurt Russell did. So uh, it, it makes sense that you would have trouble figuring out, is it snake or is it his stunt double? And uh, I don't know if we've really talked about Dick Warlock and uh, really at all, to be honest with you, but he's got a, he had a very long career other than just Kurt Russell. He did a lot of other stuff. A um, couple of things that stand out, just I'm looking quickly at his page here. He uh, in Halloween two, he actually played Michael Myers. Ooh. Um, he did stunts in uh, The Abyss and in uh, Friday the 13th Part 5 and The Thing. So uh, a ni- nice, solid career uh, for Mr. Warlock. Yeah, no no doubt. Wow. And once again, a completely baller name, Dick Warlock. Who fucks with <laughs> Dick Warlock? I mean, how amazing is that? <laughs> Man, I'm going to spend some time on his page. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine going to school with Dick Warlock. <laughs> Nobody <laughs> fucked with him. <laughs> uh, we've got a song playing in this minute. This is the last song played in the uh, movie proper that's on our soundtrack. Um, not counting the American Bandstand thing that, that pops up at the very end. Uh, this one is much like most of the other songs on the soundtrack where the title of the song fits what's going on on the screen. The song is called Over the Wall. So Ryan, you uh, mentioned you're a uh, seen you're a big fan of this movie, and you've seen it m- many times. Uh, give us your give us your history with this movie. Oh wow! Well, um, so I guess we could talk about my uh, all right. So Carpenter was like uh, my childhood hero that I didn't know I had until I mm. was like twenty. Uh, so Big Trouble in Little China. I'm a student of the film. Uh, they live um, very close to my heart and escape from New York are like, like literally like top 
top 10 movies that I will watch over and over and over again. I, I love all of them. So, um, and it came as a surprise to me that Carpenter had actually done this movie. And I didn't know that he was actually a composer until like maybe three years ago. And um, one of the uh, best parts about this movie is the music. And and that's the one thing that I think this movie has an edge of over um, kind of any other of his, his movies that um, I really enjoy. Because like right now I'm on like a huge 80s synth and regular synth kick. Like I love that genre. And watching these movies, it's just like, it's the nostalgia and it, and it brings me back. And um, in terms of like uh, being a, a young man and watching this movie, like, I mean, I wanted to be Snake Plissken. I thought that was the coolest thing. Like you have these special abilities and like everyone knows who you are and you can save the day. And like, you know, you're really, you're, everyone has this idea, like you're in it to win it for yourself. But at the end of the day, you're just a big softy and you want to help everybody out. Um, I, I always liked Snake as, a, I guess, an anti-hero, and I, I like how he's like the avatar in this movie that fights against like uh, evil and corruption and the government, and even the Duke is like uh, this authority figure that um, needs to be like destroyed and not necessarily overcome. And like, uh, I, I just like against all odds, he comes out on the top, begrudgingly. So. <laughs> uh, but uh but it, yeah i mean like my history with this movie it really stuck with me i mean like i watched it w- with uh with my dad my dad was awesome like he's a great dad as a kid he's like hey we're gonna watch this movie i'm like this sounds cool uh but uh so i mean i was exposed to all the really cool stuff as a kid and uh while my other friends like were not and i just like i would quote this movie i would talk about like I would like give them ideas like that. I took from the movie that I knew they had not seen. And they're like, Whoa, right. That's the coolest <laughs> ideas. And, um, like I had this idea, I, I told him, I'm like, you know what we should do? We should turn New York into a prison. And, um, <laughs> my friends were like, Whoa. And then my teacher, <laughs> I remember my teacher had caught wind of it. And she's like, you know, they did that. The British did that in Australia. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it had kind of like a lasting impact and I guess, uh, um, that's that, I guess that would be my history with this movie. Uh, but, um, it was like a slow burn with me. Like I've always, it's always been a part of my life, but um, even now looking back on it, like the music drew me in, uh, the character drew me in, the directing and the, and the movie is just, it's a classic. It's a classic. Really tie, tie this into uh, your movie by minute show that you hosted army of darkness. Uh, if which to you would be a scarier scenario being locked away in Manhattan prison, no, you know, for life nobody get the rules are simple once you go in you don't get out or being locked in the cabin from the evil dead movies okay all right okay hold on you say scary scenario but i see it as like those are two awesome <laughs> freaking ass situations to be in i i don't know which one i would pick like I mean, what kind of weapons am I going to have? Like, was it what the heroes had? Like, I mean, am I going to have the same crew? Like, I just get really excited about answering that, but maybe not in the way you expected me to. <laughs> um, what's scary is Escape from New York is hovering around more of like a prophetic documentary, maybe. So, like, I guess in a way, like, this is closer to reality, and maybe that's why it's a little scarier. Um, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if I had to choose, um, oh man, I love killing. I love the idea of killing zombies. I'm going to have to go with Army of Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. 
Oh, I had a question. Um, we've asked this of previous guests. Uh, if you had to have a ride, as the Duke has an amazing ride, what would you choose? Pinto. Pinto. A Ford Pinto. <laughs> Same chandeliers. Um, turd brown. Ooh. <laughs> like straight up, <laughs> with but with the with the hydraulics. A Ford Pinto with the hydraulics. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> <laughs> what I, <laughs> yeah no I, I stand by my answer <laughs> alright anything else for the this minute from either one of you nope nope that'll do it okay well everyone why don't you come chat with us about this minute on twitter NY Minute Pod chat with us about it on facebook brains library that's the escape from New York minute hangout give us a nice rating and review uh, the show's still not over you can still subscribe if you've, if you've been downloading every episode one at a time instead of subscribing not too late to get the last 10 episodes or so in uh, nice and easily. Uh, let's give a shout-out to Brad Mendenhall. He was Ryan's uh, co-host on Minute of Darkness. He is our producer who makes everything go. He might not be allowed to speak today, but he is in our hearts. And so until tomorrow, be on time, stay out of the sewers, and we'll meet you on the other side of the wall. Mm-hmm.